Hey everyone, welcome to Going in Circles. We are not live today. Uh, Casey is off. He and uh, my friend Mr. Steve Bick are taking a hiatus when they have to race the show before the big meets. Uh, need to get a little R&R and get ready for Del Mar and, and Saratoga. So we gave Casey the week off and we thought it'd be a great time to reach out to our friend Mr. Chris Rossi. Uh, Chris is better known as O'Crunk on Twitter, and he does a great job as kind of the unofficial racing statistician. Uh, Chris keeps track of all kinds of racing data, and if you follow him on Twitter, he not only you know provides that data, the raw data, but will use uh, comparisons and analyze uh, trends and, and kind of give his opinion, um, and he's pretty much on point a lot of the time, so... Um, He's a, is a good follow. Uh, he also is going to, to give us a really kind of unique view of the basically the, the biggest topic of the week uh, in racing, which is fixed odds. Uh, it's it's passed in Jersey. Their mamas and their partners are trying to get that implemented before the Haskell Day, which is uh, only a couple weeks off, and. There's been a lot of talk about fixed odds, and Chris is taking a different view, and, and he's going to kind of use a, a, a different timeline than everyone else has been using and, and kind of explain the hurdles that fixed odds uh, has to clear and uh, some of the issues that, that exist that um, it's kind of fuzzy as if, you know, potential for those things to get worked out but give a listen uh, chris is great any feedback going in circles podcast at gmail.com uh or of course on twitter uh oh crunk oh under slash crunk uh or me, you can reach me at uh cannon shell at cannon shell um mr spears berry's still banned by twitter he's still in twitter jail so you can't get a hold of him but um uh, it's a really interesting conversation, and uh, I appreciate, uh, I really do appreciate Chris's uh, uh, willingness to, to, to keep track of this stuff and uh, his, his willingness to, uh, to analyze it and, and give an opinion. So give a listen, and uh, we'll be back here in just a few seconds. Welcome hey, to the show. You hear me? Yes, sir. I can hear you fine. Uh, any uh, no more weird than usual. Okay. We we've had some technical issues lately. <laughs> Chiefly, it seemed like last night I was doing the show with Barry, and uh, all of a sudden my phone like just it's an Apple iPhone, and it just went black. And uh, when I tried to log back on it seemed as though my password had changed. So it was kind of a bizarre uh, happening, but uh, but we got you and, and you, sound, uh, you sound fine. So I'm uh, glad to have you back. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Been, been a couple months. Um, figured we better check in because we have some, uh, you know, we, we need your, your, uh, uh, your analysis of, of handled trends as you're... Uh, <laughs> The unofficial <laughs> racing data keeper uh, analyst, the, the literally the only uh, third party <laughs> um, 
a person that actually knows what the hell they're talking about in that uh, in this whole industry, it seems like. Um, so I'd like to you know go over some of the handle trends and and uh, get your feelings on that. Uh, and of course, the hot topic of the week in racing seems to be uh, fixed odds wagering. And uh, I think you have a pretty good handle on, on what's going on. And, and, um, and I think there's a lot of misconceptions out there uh, about it. And uh, I'd like to try to at least get it where people understand what it means and, um, you know, the potential for it, the potential for issues, which of course seem to loom large over this, but um, that's kind of the agenda for today's show. And I promise you, we wouldn't go, we wouldn't do any marathons, but um, you never know. Well, we have unlimited time today. So let's, let's crack right to it with, I want to start with the, the, you know, the national handle trends. And and, uh, I know we're not quite at the uh, six month mark. I mean, we're only days away, but, um, uh, you know, with Churchill just closing, uh, uh, you know, what, what seems to be the trend there? Um, let's see. I was with I, I, my last last talk in February. And, you know, February, um, it was just marginally up, you know, 21 versus the pre-pandemic 2020. You know, mm-hmm. 20 before the pandemic was shaping up to be a better year. 19 just be this is before everything in march it, handle was already you know versus 2019 and 20 before the closings started and, um you know it, it, it then in february and march and april i would say the hand, handle was was actually very strong i mean pretty much all the weeks were up significantly compared to the 2019 uh, common days. Now we're getting into the summer and most everything is back now. The slots are they're mostly back and people can go to the track. Everything's kind of back to set. And, you know, a little bit. I, you know, I always post 10 days from Saturday and Sunday and you know the pattern is pretty clear. It's it's down versus twenty, but up versus twenty nineteen. So uh, you know when you normalize handle in June this year, if you the the, the Belmont stakes, uh, the Belmont stakes out of last year and the the very good Belmont stakes this year, you, your your hand. It's going to be about down marginally versus 2020s, which, you know, is not really that surprising. Um, last time, you know, if you're not doing anything for, for new customers, they're, they're, they're just not going to be around long get, you know, they're going to be right. like pick fives and pick sixes and all this other stuff that race funnels their customers to. I mean, they're very difficult to win. Bankrolls the road and they back. And, you, uh, do you think that the fact that jackpot wagers persist is, uh, I mean, what do you attribute that more to? Uh, racetracks just trying to, 
you know, beef up their bottom line. Yeah. Some, you know, yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, this is actually it serves three purposes, right? Uh, the first, the easy one is the marketing. You know, you can blast, you know, a big carryover to people, to customers. So, and, you know, we talked about this before. You know, you never know. There's got to be a significant number of people who just don't understand these are jackpots. Uh, to, to, you know, the car, they see the carryover number and they might might not understand that these are jackpot bets. And, you know, we see it even among, I see it among people who, who do, you know? Right. So uh, confusion on, is this a jackpot? Is it real? So that's one aspect. There's a marketing angle. There's a bottom line angle, you know, not changed over their empire or whatever jackpot to the straight wager and you know handles got down a little bit and uh we don't know you know because we suspect that these these jackpot bets at the bigger track strong and i were a little are being a little artificially pumped up by, by the team um you have a handle aspect of it you have the marketing aspect of it and then you have the actual nuts and bolts of, uh, of the race itself. You know, it used to be you'd go to the track, you know, when you go to the track 20 years ago, you know, the race was always a bad race. Right? Well, mm. you know, now, I mean, half the part are bad races. And a, a way to, to get around having a lot of bad races, which, you know, frankly, it's half of the race really bad um, from a big standpoint um, is just to package them up with each other and, um, and you know that's what's happening <laughs> these bad races are packaged up and you know they're thrown in with a jackpot bet and then it's marketed i mean it's so ridiculous when you think about the thing but i i've shared the handle and jackpot bets they're not popular compared to the, the low rake pick fives compared right. to some of the other exotics you know when you take the force out handle out they're just not that popular in when people say oh look at you know golf how how getting a hundred fifty thousand dollars from on this non four pool you know like who knows where it's coming from but it's it's not that big compared to what they're doing in some of these other uh, exotic bets Sure. straight wagers right yeah i think that is something that kind of perplexes people um in that somewhere along the line we kind of lost track of where the bets where the money is coming from and it comes from so many different places now you know it wasn't that long ago i mean it wasn't five years ago but it wasn't that long ago that the betting menus um, and the amount of money that were bet, you know, through off-track wagering, um, wasn't, you know, like it is now, where it's, the, you know, in the majority, the vast majority. Um, I, I mean, I remember early 2000s, late, late, you know, 1990s, where inner-track wagering was still a thing. People would go to one track and, and bet on another track, um, you know, where where you couldn't bet on your phone or. Uh, personal computers and things like that. So, 
I mean, it's just gotten so so confusing as to where it uh, you know where it actually comes from, and um, no one ever seems to give that information out. I mean, I don't really think it's that. Answering, uh, you know, I mean, you know my feelings on this. I think the 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 teams are going to make up, you know, like 25 percent of fifteen twenty. The rest is just, you know. Various outlets, people all over the place. You know, I think there's maybe at Gulfstream. You know, one of the things they're they're rainbow sixes. It, it, it's pretty recently the largest of them all, and it's a right. a bit of razor, razor. Why that is, you know, it's just not. Right. If it were normal people, it's it's it's. They wouldn't be able to sustain playing. Their bankroll would be destroyed. Yeah. So, exactly. I, I, to me, it's not interesting. You know, the Jackets, they don't, they make up like dollars wagered in the, in the you know, it's just not that big. Yeah. Right. It just, it just, it seems big because of the marketing that's behind it and the, 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 the incessant press release. Like, oh, big, big carrier. Uh, you know, it's just not that big. Yeah, you know, the, we have these splashy payout days um, as well. I mean, it seems like a mandatory payout day was a, was a little bit of a rarity. And now now it's become, uh, I mean, I think Tampa is, is, is marketing that they have mandatory payout day Wednesday and Thursday. So Yeah, and that's sort of interesting because over, you know, when the, stuff started it was it go months without a mandatory right and uh, you know i think what happened was the teams uh got at that period you know after the month when the pot got really big and the math starts making sense to attack for the whole pool jackpot they were right good they were good at doing that and i think the tracks got got stung a little bit by that and now they're just like well i mean we need the carryover see what happens on four south days with handle so let's do whatever weeks whatever it is they do now i don't pay attention to the truth yeah it, it seems like there's a whole lot more uh four south days than than uh you know not that there's as much a, a month now as there was uh, over a, a whole meet but um yeah, no more like it's first out day and there's already three million kitties, you know, that those are kind of over. Yeah, yeah. And and I mean, you know, I, I mean, I think there's been enough talk about it. I mean, people, people that know, understand that the jackpots are, are not going to be a, a positive trend and, you know, yet they still persist, so. I mean, I, every year, you know, with versus the the jackpot six handles nationally. I right. You know, it's just a it's a straight line up. It's just straight up. the the jackpot six is all over the freaking place because they are that the handle there is dependent on the four south days. Sure, and, absolutely. Uh, you know, I mean, every. The tracks know what it is. The players know. Most of the players know what it is. Uh, you know, 
we've had 15 years of this now. It's, it hasn't really done anything. So, <laughs> Moving to uh, Churchill, um, their meet just ended. And kind of give me a, a little bit of a wrap up on, on how you think the, the meet went for them handle wise and, and uh, compare it to, um, I mean, last year's, you know, Churchill meet was totally kind of post the spring meet was more or less didn't exist. So, um, yeah, the, but they fair. still did, you know, they still did 250 million last year, you know, yeah. without Derby at that meet at that you know, short and month one meet or whatever it was. Right. It wasn't peanuts, you know, I mean, no. they, 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 well, you know, they did okay this year. Um, spring, you know, I think that. Uh, was about what they probably expected. Um, it's hard to know what. Um, but overall, I think the the at the beginning of the COVID period, you know, the, the smaller tracks were definitely doing better than the larger ones. And uh, you know, now it's it, the the big guys are shining, and the guys because there's so many small guys now. <laughs> you know. And there's so right. many of them. They're all back running. They're all killing each other. You know, I mean, they're running 100 races on Tuesdays. 100. It's, it, it's hard to make head that much racing and that much that racing. You know, less more with the smaller tracks. Um, and you're kind of seeing that now. And Churchill did well. I think the, you know, they were only what down four percent or something. Four percent. I forget the up four percent versus two thousand nineteen. Yeah, I tweeted out they were on up two four. fewer races. Yeah, that, that's a great number actually. Uh, um, you know, uh, which was probably no matter what the situation is. And you know, I see a lot of people say. They limited on track, but I think one of the things you're always trying to learn, right? You're always trying to figure out what's happening. One of the things that wrong last year was the importance of track. I thought it, I thought it was going to be very important at some of the bigger meets for the Breeders' Cup for the, and it's that it matters, but it's not that big. The, the on track doesn't. You know, I mean, look, look at that. I mean, they, they only had 10,000 people down on stage. They did great. Um, Pimlico sort of deal. They did just great. And they had limited. No other thing like the Derby. Right, right, right. For I think. of people. But the money finds the window now. And I think they did fine. Now, now, from a purse standpoint, um, you know, the lack of on track certainly hurts. Uh, I know we've had this uh, little dust up in at the Prescott Downs between Churchill Downs and uh, the Pennsylvania HBPA over Churchill um, being accused of, of uh, trying to funnel on track customers to twin spires as opposed to making bets on, on track, which which is something, by the way, Churchill did at 
uh, in Kentucky when they first acquired UBET. Oh, they've done uh, it all. They, they first bought UBET they and they, all over the place. They set up um, tables in the lobby of Churchill Downs, the main entrance. And when you would come in, they would try to sign you up for uh, UBET, which would, you know, which twins fires, which is fine. I mean, that's understandable. But the issue that, that the horsemen had at the time, among the, the issues, was that they were telling people that you could bet on track and, and just, you know, instead of getting through betting through the windows, go through your Twin Spires account, which at the time in Kentucky was illegal. You couldn't, uh, you know, you still had the old laws where you couldn't make a phone bet, for, uh, you know, to, to, to battle the bookmakers. It's, it's interesting, the bookmakers were were bad and now, now all of a sudden you know they're kind of coming back though that's something we'll talk about a little later but um uh, yeah it was a it was a, a pretty good i mean there was there was a there was a pretty um nasty fight for a little bit between churchill and uh, i remember there was a meeting at where they have at the, the i used to call it the sports spectrum the, the secondary training uh, track and uh, the old Louisville Downs, which is now where they have their uh, their slots, and it was about as contentious as a horseman's meeting as I had been to in Kentucky, um, because at the time the the people in the HBPA, the the board members understood that, uh, and I think the numbers were greater than it was, like a seven percent was going to handle from on track wagers, and I think. We were at like 4.3%, 4.5% for bets through um, Churchill's ADW. So, I mean, it was not as though they weren't um, cognizant of it. They just haven't been, they, you know, there just wasn't all that much we, they can do. And I'll be honest, I don't recall like what, how, how, how the negotiations went, how, how everything got smoothed out. But, but uh, I just thought it was ironic that, you know, here we are in, in 2021, the same thing's happening. Though, to be honest, and, and this was the question I posed the other day, is how much on-track handle does a place like Prescott Downs do? I mean, basically nothing. I mean, if you saw the numbers last year, they were perfect. And, you know, I was taking over. I think I put this out the other day, you know. Prescott has turned on the track uh, 50% or something when you before CDI took over. Um, right. And by you know, I read that article, I think 1,000% right. This has been going on in a lot of states. The future is going to be as it exists sort of in New Jersey is, is everything is going to be cheap. Right. And you're going to know where all the money's coming from and how it gets stopped. I mean, but you know, if they want to fight over 70,000 times, I mean, I don't know. It was like maybe like 50 million over there, a couple hundred races like that. Yeah, it's, it's 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 not a significant amount, right? Yeah, it's it's not going to change anybody's. It's not going to anybody's for you know. You had you had put a stat out about Churchill, um, about how far Handel has dropped there 
at Presque Isle since Churchill took over. Yeah. Um, I think around 60, 60, 65, 62, 65%. Yeah. I look it up right now. It's bad. I mean, I mean it, I, which is it because you know, Churchill's handle for their tracks pretty deep. I mean, with the exception of Arlington, of course. Um, you know, I don't really understand what's going on. I mean, you know, I was at the very bottom on the handle per chart before CDI took over, you know, to go further down is sort of like a really bad situation. Yeah. You know, I feel strong about the zombie track thing, you know, the zombie tracks are really hurting the industry now. And, uh, no, no, when when you say zombie track, you mean a track that, that literally just exists, um, for gaming and there's like very little effort put into the racing product. Yes, correct. So let's go through Prescott. In 2017, ran 800 races. They did 71 million in handle. Which I think was last year or maybe in the middle of 2018, see, I bought it. They did 83 million six races. And then in the first year that they had taken over, they did 64 million on 802 races, and then last year they did 409 races. Now, you know, the 14, 15,000 in the pre days, and you know, last year less than $10,000, per interest. You know, I mean, that is rock bottom for nationally simulcast races in the, you know, golden country. Um, right. For thoroughbreds, you know. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I'd love to know what's going on there. It's not good, you know. They're, if they're going to run 800 races a year, that's races, you know. And that takes away horses who would otherwise be you know, in races where the, the margin is higher. And, you know, I, I, I the zombie thing is a real, it, it's coming. You know, I would have thought COVID would have kind of like erased them. <laughs> them off the map. But, you know, it's coming back. You know, there, there's one thing that you can say about, about thoroughbred racing in uh, North America is uh it, it, there's persistence and in, in negative and positive ways and that you know we persisted through the covid era um keeping tracks open running you know despite virtually everything else being shut down but we also persist in doing uh, a lot of negative things and not uh you know go, going back to the same old same old which which is something that uh you know, it is a theme in this business, and it's 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 difficult to to really. I mean, it's such a fragmented business. I mean, the to, to talk about to have discussions uh, on social media, especially about certain topics, it's just so difficult to do because of the complexity of the situations, and um, you know, there's something always going to be lost. But uh, you know, in the end, 
I mean, Churchill bought Pascal Downs not because they said, hey, you know, let, let's own a track in Erie, Pennsylvania. It was uh, you know, a foothold into the, um, the Pennsylvania sports betting um, you know, network and, and uh, having another gaming operation. Uh, and I have no, no clue how, they, how that place does. But um, yeah, neither do I. Neither do I. And you know, really, Churchill sports betting stuff is kind of falling. Flat, you know, they're they're not they're doing one. No, and and that's you know that that's kind of I, I think the you know we've seen in in the sports betting arena that the big companies are just going to dominate for the most part, and it doesn't seem like there's any way that uh, most of the smaller operators you know can really compete other than just trying to find a little niche market where they can grind out a, a profit of some sort i think that's i think that's mostly right um this uh, this is this is a question um that um i know you've been <laughs> you you and uh, um bob have been Kind of going back and forth about uh, about you know projecting how Saratoga is going to do this year, um, you know I, I was thinking you know just this not not from a handle standpoint but from a, a racing standpoint, you might get um, I mean certainly there was outfits that didn't send the volume of horses last year or some in some cases any horses at all because of the you know the whole COVID situation. Uh, I know that, that there's still a big issue there with finding help. Um, and I'm not, I'm not talking small outfits, I'm talking the big outfits. Um, so I, I, I don't know how that's going to play in into the whole scenario, but it seems like, um, you know, from the people that I've spoken to, and of course this is an unofficial poll, is that there seems to be more interest in sending horses up there this year and then, um, you know, possibly maybe even bump the field size just a tad because I know it's probably difficult uh, and it's probably also very weather dependent as well. But um, it just seems like there's a, a better feel about uh, Saratoga than, I, than in the, there has been the last couple years. And I don't know if that's just me or, or if, um, if, 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 if there really is a, a kind of a, a wave of, of, of optimism going into that meet. I think all the Naira, the Naira adjacent and Naira themselves, very uh, optimistic. Here's the deal. I mean, they're going to run four days a week. It wasn't that long ago doing six days a week. They had a really hard time doing five days a week last I mean, and I know not everybody shipped up or whatever, but I mean, Five days a week in this environment is really hard. I mean, nobody's doing it at the A signals, really. Um, it takes a time. You know, one of the things is these horses aren't, they, most of them aren't going to be able to run twice a week. You know, that's all you're getting out of it. And uh, there's always optimism. I mean, some of these numbers, Bob was saying, like, million they're going to do. I'm like, that's pretty big. <laughs> but I mean, we'll see. The things that we learned, right, I would have last year would have been down. I would have bet big on it. And they were, but they were close to even. 
Yeah, and very, very slow. The last weeks of that week were laughable. The, the cards they were putting out during the week. I mean, some of these cards have 42 inches. That's bad. Yeah, yeah, it, it got really weak, you know, with the Derby week uh, being kind of overlapping. Yeah, but it wasn't just, I mean, huge. They were up at the midpoint of the meet. They were up. They were up close to a, to to like maybe a hundred million, and they gave I it mean, all more from, more from the the horse standpoint. They just kind of you know, you, you, the the last week of Saratoga generally isn't going up against Derby week. Yeah, um, that, I mean that that and, is and true. Then, you know that it's it was, uh, but kind of a that weekend was still. Yeah. You know, when I I think I I would take a look. It's still comparable to to the previous year and you know right now um, uh, on that Saturday on Saturday I mean they did 23 million or yes they did 29 million you know and then the day after the Sunday after every they did 2 million the previous year they did 24 million they did 27 million they all Bumped in 14 races, which is unheard, you know, Saratoga. Yeah. 25 million they did on closing day 2019. So, you know, I mean, I think there's a couple of like, I think signals. Uh, I last year that lack of entree hurt them. It really didn't. So I have to believe the return of on track isn't them any more than it hurt them last year uh, then there's the overall capacity in the itself is definitely lower right now than it was in 2020 at this time and you know you got racing in the summer last year was the capacity was well above 19th with a lot fewer races so uh, you're going to enter the summer now with races again and less overall capacity so sure. this stuff this stuff has overall capacity right saratoga will be up this year sure i think it's really ambitious i give it like a 10 15 chance right and and when you say talk about capacity you're you're basically you know, referring to what, what field size will be. No, no, no. I'm talking about the overall that's available. Okay. And okay. The, the wise, total, 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 the total, total amount of revenue. From, right. You know, Saratoga, Saratoga it, their market share is untouched for sustained like they have. There's no other track in the country that ends wagering dollar like Saratoga. So, right. You know, when they run, Thursday, if it's a Saturday, whatever. He cents of every event in the country is on a race at right. No other track can do that. Can do it. The Triple Crown days can do it, but like a meet, an entire meet, nobody can do right. that. So for them, they have to increase that market share because the overall capacity is not there. Right. And okay. I mean. To say that they're 60% every 60 of every dollar. 
I mean, that it gets absurd. You know, I mean, like, come on. Right. Well, um, it's easier to grow the, 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 the capacity instead of trying to take market. Right. And, and there'll be more, comp I mean, it won't be, you know, head-to-head -head competition, but there, there's going to be more tracks open this year. Well, in the, the you know, field sizes, that also, you know, makes more options. There's everybody's mostly playing at home or, you know, mobile now. And, you know, like I've said before, it's all a big track, you know. It's one schedule every day. Some yeah. races are more bettable than others, so. Right. I think that's the one thing that, um, you know, you're able to provide to at least to you you know to the people that follow you um and for me i use your numbers a lot in that every other industry outlet for statistics basically especially concerning handle um is you just feel like the numbers are massaged or in the case where they started to to include simulcast handle on other tracks as on track handle and and things um, that we just don't have the I guess maybe the NTRA should have been the organization that could, you know, break down numbers. And like, like you said, on a Saturday for a regular player, for a regular person, okay, you have a menu of races you can bet on. To you, it, it's the same. It's not, um, you know, uh, you're, you're just looking for, for the, you know, the cards that you want to play. And the overall, you know, the amount of money you bet at a certain track versus another certain track doesn't really matter. You know, to you, I mean, it's it's just, um, you know, like you said, it's all one big card, and and uh, and the thing is, we, we get information from individual tracks and individual circuits as opposed to, um, you know, the, the 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 global view, and and as such, I think sometimes trends are um, kind of skewed in in, in, a, in a certain way. Uh, you know, the the tracks have no incentive to. You know, look at the overall industry. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, I, and I understand the, the the tracks don't. I mean, they're they're you know they exist to to uh, you know uh, they're there to to make money basically. You know, this is here yeah. for. Um, they're not here to you know save the industry, but it just is. It's just one of those um, telling things about this business that that we don't really have. Um, we don't really have much analysis, and if there is, it's not. It, it's very closely held, um, and that's you know, of course. I think analysis is being done. I think it's closely held. I yeah. think many are. Uh, I don't think it's uh, anything. You know, I don't. I don't. Right. Think it's, I don't think it's guiding. Uh, what? Which, know. which, of course, is. I mean. In, in theory, um, <laughs> you know, not not a good idea. <laughs> you yeah. Know, so it's like I mean, it's, it's like you know, when you look at Churchill, right? I mean, when we look at those numbers, I mean, the purses went up a lot. Yeah. Versus twenty nineteen, and which, which you know probably has here for Churchill is it here for them to grow handle by twenty percent, which you know twenty percent, which is what they would need to to grow the purses that they did this year or is it easier to you know, call on their rank 
Pittsburgh buddies in Kentucky and say, hey, give us these slots and we want a piece too. And it'll be good for the horses. It's good for, you know, so much easier for them to do that just to grow wager. Yeah, you're right. You get you get one vote that goes through, and uh, and there you are. No, it's it's, <clears throat> and, and of course, uh, they need to do what they need to do, and and you know each state has their own issues, of course. But um, it, it's very difficult, I think, for people. On, <clears throat> excuse me, for people to understand that when you try to compare it to other sports, it's it's just not that way. Like <clears throat> the New York Yankees aren't actively trying to put the Kansas City Royals out of business. Um, you could say that. In a lot of ways, some of the bigger tracks wouldn't be unhappy at all if some of the smaller tracks went out of business. Um, you know, right now, they've raised rates and um, <clears throat> they've done things to try to, uh, you know, to work against them. But you know, it's well, I, it's later with the big stuff. But you know, the bigger it's it is basically it's basically come down to Naira CDI. Right. Yeah. And that is racing. There's nothing. All the other stuff just. I mean, right. no, it's, it's big, it's, but it's not that big. Right. Um, speaking of Monmouth, um, so how how were the handle trends there comparative? Because I know that was a big uh, a big discussion early in their meet with their uh, you know whip issues and such. Oh. Uh, well, the totals, let me take, but, you know, looking at it every day and I got to say, it's just kind of where it was uh, before the pandemic, you know? Um, so nothing you know, is really sticking out either way. Nothing out. I think the thing that's out to me is Monmouth has gone, you know, they try, they try right. to do, <laughs> whereas some of these other tracks don't really try, you know, they try and switch it up. They do these six races on Fridays for a long time before COVID 15, 15 races on weekends, you know, these right. cards that would start at like noon and go on to like seven o'clock at night. They're not able to run like gigantic cards anymore. I mean, <laughs> yeah, they, they, they just want the horses. They don't have the, and this is true. You know, even I remember even I, told, I, I, told, uh, I told Bob Colino one day, I said, you guys should have halftime when they, when they have run these 13, 14 race cards, we should get like an hour siesta in the middle where we can just take a, a little bit of a nap and then you know, wake us back up for the second half of the card. I mean, they were... brutal. I mean, you can't, you really can't even. I mean, you know, what's funny was uh, I went to Chile, right? And the fact of the matter is that we don't really know for the most part, most people like what actually goes on at these other places. And, um, you know, we see it on the simulcast signal or on the ADW, you know, menu or maybe even watch a race here or two. But so I went to Chile about, I guess, about four years ago, five years ago. And um, we were at the main track in Santiago and um, my friend was with with us and we got there for the first race and uh, I got the book. And of course, it was in Spanish. Um so I'm looking through it, and I, and I said, "Am I am, am I making a mistake here? Are they running like 22 races today?" <laughs> he goes, "Yeah." He goes, "They they run like they, they used to. What they tried to do was was cut it down and run like 11 races and have more days, but the people didn't like it. So they 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 have these marathon sessions that go from you know noonish to to nighttime racing, 
And uh, and he says, you know, people will go and they'll make their bets at lunch and they'll come back and then they'll go to work and then they'll come back. And I was like, wow, this is like bizarre, you know, like uh, I don't know. I don't want to let uh, like Gulfstream know about this because they'll, they'll be running 19 race cards too. But but I, I was very odd that um, that that was that was how they 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 did it there. They just uh, have these these marathon cards. It's it's unbelievable. To that point, nineteen. I mean, they, they were they were running those gigantic cards, and now they can't handle it down. Um, but you know. The whole picture handle has been has been they've been handled for this has been a long march. Yeah, down uh, downward. This has not been like oh it's down now. It's been down for for the last ten years, every single year. So you know to to continue that. I mean, I know want it to be rich, but you have to consider the whole picture. And I don't. Have like a honest. I love Monmouth. You know, I mean, that's my that's where I fell in love with the racing. Um, always play. It's just it, it's very hard for me to know what the hell is going on at the track now. And I, I almost I almost pine for the days of service in the borough. Hate to say that, <laughs> you know, because I love races. I feel like I have no clue what I'm doing. I love Monmouth. I mean, as a as a track to be at, to spend an afternoon there, uh, to train there. Um, I mean, it has challenges to training, but it just was. Um, I, I don't. It just seemed to be like a cheerful attitude at that place. Like it, it just was a more happy place. Uh, you know, I, I grew up in New York, and sometimes the New York tracks outside of Saratoga can get to be a grind. And even Saratoga, towards the end of the meet, when you've been there and you've been racing, and, and you know, back then it was six days a week. Um, and it just, you know, the, it seemed like a little more of a grind. And Belmont seemed, uh, and Aqueduct, they were they were more like a um, a workman-like track. And Monmouth, maybe because of the summertime, it's by the shore, kind of a vacation, you know, people in shorts, blah, blah, blah. But there's really no place it. than to have a cooler full of beer and out in the paddock and just all day. Well, if you had a cooler full of beer now, they'd kick you out. You're not allowed to drink. Uh, and you know, this has been something that has been, uh, you know, I know they're blaming, but yeah, do this for, for years, you know. Well, sure. Uh, so, we'll let them do it. I, I, I can think like 10 years ago, weekend and I didn't, there, there, there was not a summer weekend that passed that I didn't go down there. Yeah. I haven't been to a race. Journey. Since 2019, right. so it's just like, uh. you know, what you said earlier too is is true. Is that they do try things. I mean, uh, they they tried the exchange. They're trying the fixed odds, and um, you know, Jason literally single handedly is is the person in this country who got sports betting to to the point it's at. I mean. Um, yeah, I, I remember. I remember being in a horseman's meeting, and this has got to be, I think, 2013. And he was kind of outlining, you know, what his plan was and what he thought. And at the time, he said, uh, you know, it, it's all going to come down to, um, 
you know, how far I can get this case to go in court. And, and if I can get it to the highest court, um, you know, I, I think I have a shot. But he goes, the, the odds of doing that at the time, I think he said it is his, his quote was, I think I got about a 15% chance of getting there. He goes, but, you know, and tried to outline all the, the good that it would, would uh, you know, would, would come of it. And I mean, you know, he, he's done some things that have made people kind of cringe. Um, you know, his, his support of the guys who wound up in trouble was, uh, you know, kind of come back to bite him in the ass a little bit. Uh, he didn't exactly handle the jockey situation with a lot of, um, uh, grace, <laughs> you know, threatening a lot, a lot of threats were made for, for something that turned out to not be as a big of a deal because I, th- I think they had visions of like no jockey would show up and, and he'd be riding, you know, well, exercise riders. Saying some ridiculous things, you know. I mean, but you know, they, you know the truth is, if you if you're in, involved in this industry, you know, there's one thing: there is way more jockeys, or or you know, whatever level they're at, than needs to be. You go to Tampa in the winter time, and, and and there's 70 people that might ride in a given month. You know, yeah. we're never gonna, especially not, when when you no, especially no. when there's money in it's just not no. There's the the twelfth, the thirteenth, the fourteenth, the fifteenth rank jockeys somewhere are going to see an opportunity there, and they're going to go. I mean, that was never going to happen that they would would get no one to go there. There was always going to be. And I, I said to a trainer there, I said, "Listen, you're going to get a jockey. You're not going to not have a jockey. It might not be the one you want." And I said to him, "I go based on the guys you ride normally. I mean, it's not going to be that big of a difference, you know. So you know, as a guy who runs a lot of thirty to one shots, but um." You know, you know I, 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 he's an interesting figure. You know, I've been very critical of Monmouth, you know, since, since he's been basically like the, the king of New Jersey racing now. You know, how small that these days. But I mean, what you cannot criticize him for is trying. Um, you know, they have consistently tried everything. You know. Yeah. Honestly, and, I, I, think, I think the COVID issue helped them in a, in a way and it kept them. Because I believe this was a mistake, that they were going to try to have a regular meet at the Meadowlands. And I just could not see how that was going to be worth the expense of doing that at that time of the year. I, I, um, I think it I think it has been. I just I just don't know. I just don't know that you're I mean, I know they gotta change the whole track, gotta do all the stuff, gotta spend all the money to do it. And you know, well, the other thing is experiments done on Sundays in the fall. You know, Mammoth tried the experiment when they legalized sports gambling to run on Sundays in September and October with a football crowd, and it didn't really work. I think the problem is going to be field size because it becomes an all ship in meet, and the trotters is fine to do that because for the most part, they're all ship ins, anyways. But in thoroughbreds, you don't have, you know, it's not like a trotter. The trotter, you draw post date, you know what, you go, you show up, you hit the rail, you go once around, and, and you know, you wait till next week. Thoroughbreds are scratch. And uh, just at that time of the year, you're going to get off tracks, you're going to be off the turf. And, and I, I just think that you're going to have a tougher time getting the lower level horses uh, to be hustled into races when they're going to have to ship instead of just walking a horse across the railroad tracks to, to the paddock. I just think that I just don't know. I mean, I, I know a lot of trainers, um, you know, from Jersey would 
pack up and come down to Florida after uh, the main mammoth meet would end. And I, I don't see why they wouldn't continue to do that. Yeah. I'm just, uh, and I think it's a logistics really optimistic. You know, I used to love going to the night race. Um, to the harness, but the flats the fall there was awesome. And, you know, when it was good. And then it. It, it, it kind of fell off the cliff, like you're saying. But I, I remember potential. There is a, this hole in the in the racing schedule in September, October, and um, you know when when lines was good, we would have a good steady shipping from Naira, and you know whatever was down Monmouth, and you know some of the other in the region. But I, I do agree, it, it 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 will be hard, especially because they they can't run like four days a week or whatever. They would all days a week, and I, yeah. now, I know the not cost. Worth it. <laughs> the cost was approximately a million dollars to change the track over, and then I think you really don't have a million. It's not worth it. Yeah, it's a million dollars. So it's, and I don't know if that's just to change it one time or to change it both times, but and that, you know, that's a lot of sniping between Drazen and Corral, and you know, who's uh, going to pay for. Who gets that? What about the sports betting? Mammoth was going to pay for it. No, I mean, you know, that's the other thing. Like, Gorel, um, I've been critical of Mr. Gorel because I think sometimes he forgets that uh, virtually everyone in the business is poor except for the small sliver of own races, about nine trainers and him. (laughs) And, you know, he's wanting to pay for like marketing out of purses. It's like you have $7,000, $8,000 purses. Now you want to take them and make them smaller to market in the New York city area. Like, uh, but the one thing that, um, you know, he has done, which of course has not been, been done by thoroughbred interests is, is to take control of his backside, even though he doesn't have a backside, um, in that, uh, I mean, they've been very aggressive about uh, you know, weeding out people who are bad actors. But um, I, I know that that's happened, and I followed it. But I mean, do you think it's successful? I, I believe it. I, I believe there is a there is a definitely, um, and it's a it's a very tough to quantify thing, right? I mean, mile track trotting race, harness racing is just better. Than, than smaller tracks. It's just better. I mean, more horses have a chance. Um, you've got bigger fields. It's just a better product. Um, even when the, you know, the races aren't all high-class races, which, it, it, you know, certainly the Meadowlands uh, on a Friday night, they're only racing two nights a week. And, you know, compared to the old days, the, the Friday night cards are, are, you know, an atrocity, but uh, they still do three, three and a half million they were doing. I know the handles. Couple of days um, when when you know when Woodbine when uh, Mohawk was was closed, but I mean, there's certainly it was it was kind of a tale of two cities in that you had one guy who was ultra aggressive about trying to clean up his backside, and the other guy was like the opposite. Now I you know understandably, um, you know Drazen's a lawyer, and, and of course most lawyers are going to tend to to uh, you know. The, the politics of it. I mean, yeah, everyone to screw off. You know what I mean? True. Uh, Since he's in a few money position. 
you know, it, it, it does kind of bother me that I think he puts a million dollars from the sports betting into the purses. And based upon the numbers in Jersey, that just doesn't seem very much. I'm sorry. Maybe uh, this is what this is what a lot of us were saying at the onset years ago. You know, the money isn't going to be odds in sports betting. It's a really small, you know, some of these operators can go, they can lose money in a month. You know what I mean? So you know, you're talking about 5% margins on, you know, 800 million or whatever it is they handle in Jersey. And then it's got to be cut up with, you know, the makers and the, and the customer face and then the license holders. There's not going to be a lot left. And then you pay taxes on it. There's not at the end of the day, you know, it's not going to make much of a difference. So go, go ahead and, and, and um, kind of morph into the fixed odds wagering, which was passed uh, unanimously. And I had heard that one of the holdups originally was that the harness horsemen and the thoroughbred horsemen were, were having uh, a difficult time coming to an agreement. And I, I, you know, this is, of course, hearsay that the, the politicians uh, wanted, the legislator wa- wanted them to be in lockstep on, on what the numbers, the cuts, everything was going to be so that they didn't pass this and then have to fight it out, basically. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So it did well, pass. I, I, for the whole fixed odds thing, I think it's, I think it's instructive to, to start at the beginning. And yeah. the beginning in New Jersey was... And have to go through what actually happened with the exchange to understand where we are now. So if we go back, um, you know, Bedford TVG in 2009, and, uh, you know, Bedford was, at that time, was the fastest growing racing company in the world. Uh, and they wanted to get into the U.S. market legal way, you know, so buying TVG was the they, TVG. I think it was fifty million. Um, so they buy and into the groundwork of rolling out the exchange. Now, when you're starting from zero, like they were, you know, a lot of things to do. They have political lobbying to get the laws passed. They have to go and convince the horsemen that have exchange, you know. Uh, more customers and that the jockeys aren't going to fix races. It's, it's, it's important to go through that, you know, they, it was a lot of people very much against the exchange. Industry rights at the time, you know, you couldn't read an article about the exchange without them saying, you know, Oh, jockeys will fix races and you have a gambling game where people bet on horses to use and stuff. Can you imagine taking seriously with the stuff we've seen the last years between herd and service and juice man? Come on, what are you on? That's an actual argument to be taken seriously. I, so, I recall that, and I, I was a big proponent of exchange wagering, and I, and I remember telling a person, a, a racing executive, I said, "It can make your races that are unattractive currently with five horse fields and a big favorite." bettable for someone like me if I don't like the favorite. So right now I've got to try to figure out who's going to beat the favorite. Instead, I can lay against the favorite and, and make the race 
something that that I might participate in. And and, and I remember I think um, I think you said it. Um, There's been so many. Later, you 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 said um, uh, you know that the, the, it'll the reason it's not going to work is because they're just not going to make the bet affordable enough. They're gonna they're gonna tax it too much. They're gonna the takeout's going to be too high, and, and it's just not going to be... Well, I'm not going to even touch it in this little synopsis. We'll get there, but it's okay. It's not a critical issue. So they, buy, they buy TVG. They have the, the political lobbying to get laws passed. Then they have to you know, get with the horsemen and you know, convince them that it's something that can be done. Then they can negotiate contracts to, right, to offer their races on exchange. Now, they have to... All three of those things. And then after they do all that, to launch the product and find customers. And, you know, the customers have to know what this is. To find customers in, in a sector of, of gaming that is just bleeding them constantly. You know, in a way, that part of it, the finding customers should be the easy part because they have a very popular exchange at the time in, you know, UK and Europe and stuff like that. You know, for our purposes, there's very little critical difference between wagering and fixed object wagering. Mostly semantics, mostly pervert exchange wagering as a viable path to grow racing in this country versus the fixed odds. But that's neither there. So they buy. It takes a couple of years to find common ground, and they pathetic numbers in New Jersey, California, and no. Two states direct gaming subsidy at, at, at that time. I mean, New Jersey was running for its life, had their million dollar meat fiesta in 2010, and then AC money ran out and hung them out to dry by 20. And I mean, they, they weren't going to purses to even run a freaking meat. And, you know, California was the same thing. Uh, and there's First trouble. They raised rate during this period as well when the exchange was. So in New Jersey, they passed a law in the regulations. And when they got the regulations ironed out, the, the, the technical process deemed peer to peer exchange wagering as thought to be power mutual, which is complete nonsense. But they, they formed it into the law as a power mutual form of wagering. Now, actually, Passed the exchange law for New Jersey several years before New Jersey, but they never get to the regulatory stage. And this is kind of where the whole thing turns. It's because, or no, we, there was not very clear reporting on it, but it, it just seemed like the stakeholders didn't want it. You know, you know the stakeholder out there is going to be chronic, and you know. Chronic at that time, they weren't on the UK exchange. Um, their content wasn't on the UK exchange. Um, and, you know, they've been very litigious. I mean, whenever you see Scott DeRuti pop up, he's like freaking, you know, you'd read an article and you'd see oh, it's Scott DeRuti telling you you can't, you know, you knew none of it was good for anybody except Chronic. <laughs> so they shut it down. California, New Jersey just kept, so they passed the law in Jersey, they got the regulations, and then they go get agreement. Now, of course, none of the three want any of it. 
you know, Naira says some BS like they need to see or whatever. Meanwhile, I mean, you could fly to Europe places on the exchange there. I mean, I, I'll understand that. CDI is a hard no. And, you know, Histronic, they're just not going to, you know, out of all of the signals, Kings was closest. And at the very last minute, they got the regulatory rug pulled out underneath them. In you, CDI called in a favor there uh, to make sure that that didn't make sure that they did not get on change. And uh, it didn't. So three CDI, Naira, Stronic, they all said, and there's competition between all the time. That's like out there. But when those three groups together, they have enormous power. This with HISA, you know, CDI was the holdout for many years. But once they changed mind, it all fell into place quickly. You know, once CDI got on board with HISA, it was fast the next day. You know, the big have right now they have a six market share of handle in this country and they only run part of the racing and you know their entire loss of racing thoroughbred us where races are conducted it's a negative margin very big three uh, big three and you know it's kind of uh existential threat to the big three too because the product relationships between the non-b3 Big three tracks and the big threes. They they need each other to exist. And you know, when you throw in some of the products that goes in states like Kentucky and California, you know, these are your Keeneland and Dinars, which you know, they will always defer the regulatory capture in those states, CDI and Shronic. Factor all. And the share of these groups is like 70 cents on the dollar. Major thoroughbreds is going through those three groups. They are in the United States now. You know, to the exchange. They weren't stupid to, to launch an exchange. But I guess they figured that, you know, they, as far seven or eight years. I'm one of them to bet basically anything. And their intuition, right? New Jersey is going to be the biggest sport betting and online casino gambling state for the foreseeable future, you know. It launches, they launch the exchange. They covered around 40% of the T bed races conducted in the US and Canada. And, you know, they had a bunch of harness, as well as some of the foreign races. But, you know, the US T bred races were around 40% by handle, you know, with a small handful of things like Haskell Day and Tampa Bay Downs Derby and stuff like that. Basically, all the content was the zero net margin races paramutually. You know, by the end of 2019, the exchange handled a total of $9 million by New Jersey residents. 
which is you know fraction of the overall liquidity on the exchange since it was common players in UK and Europe stuff like that. Now, mind you, this is marketed heavily by TV. They already have racing relationships in a big push in New Jersey. You know, it's important to note that total handle by New Jersey residents on all forms of horse racing in 2019 $600. So only handle on the whole thing. It wasn't for not having a game plan. They had a game plan. They they did the work. We're talking about the largest paramutual bet taker in the country, by the way. They aren't dumb. So for them, that hard, you know, somewhere on the line during all of this, you know, get swallowed up by Patty Power, and later on, they buy FanDuel, and last year they pulled the plug on exchange, and they basically said it the way it was. They said no wanted it to work. The customers didn't want it, the stakeholders didn't want it, the track didn't want it, so they threw in the towel and said, screw it. We're shutting it down. And mind you, we haven't even touched, you know, the customer aspect of it, which is the rig issue and you know the fact that you're competing against the other markets in that pool is paying a lower rate money that you know that you're trying to grow in New Jersey. I mean, imagine all this. Imagine it all. They had all the tools. And now when we come to science, it's the same thing all over again. It's literally the same thing. Um, you know, Monmouth has found these bet makers. There's, you know, an established footprint in Australia. But, you know, they've been buying companies left and right. They bought Sportech, which operates... Jersey Power Mutual Hub in Mount Laurel and many other sites all over the world. They want to buy Tab. They basically want to build a global racing network. And, you know, they're basically a B2B pricing provider for the books. Um, obviously, going to be a big threat to the great uh, Naira, CDI, and Tronic. So, naturally, I wouldn't expect any deal with. To offer fixed here in New Jersey, so at the stage where the laws pass, the regulation regulations are, and now we move to the track agreement, and it's going to be the same thing as the exchange. The horsemen don't like the splits, tracks don't like the splits, and the bet makers have fewer tracks than the exchange did based on the report we have so far, and so far the only is the only. Customer facing book to sign up with betmakers is point that I mean dozens of them in New Jersey, and you know betmakers has relationships with all of these books because they are racing in other countries. You know, bet three sixty five, bet eight eight eight. You know, they have relationships with them in Europe and Australia and all this stuff. You know, there are small offer some cool stuff. They peg out uh, how you are in like certain spread bet situations, so you could turn like a bet into like some like bet and so if you're willing to risk if it goes the wrong. Way. It's cool. I mean, I like it, 
but they've made no Jersey or in the sports betting landscape. It's assumed that they're like a share in New Jersey. They share their license with the Midlands and FanDuel. Uh, it's nothing compared to what FanDuel and DK are doing on volume. Uh, some of the other operating in New Jersey, they already have agreements with Betfair in other countries. So why don't they have any agreements in New Jersey? That's a little suspicious to me. So basically, you're going to have Sod's product similar to the exchange without the market the exchange has. It even more content poor than the exchange was. Three have been all mum. You know, their past performances would say there's no way that they do a deal for fixed odds. It's set up for years and years of discussion and race if they should. I mean, that debate is largely over. It's not even talked anymore. And fixed odds are the same way. The small, non-big three tracks are not together at the level needed for the big three. They're happy to keep things they are. It's a long time for this consolidation to occur. And, you know, I believe that they're afraid of having a redo again where they make some bad deals just to make a deal to get into a new market. And then years later, regret it, control of their signals, of knowing who their customers are. You know, I think if you ask CI and Stronic, I mean, they regret not being at the forefront thing even before it became so I mean here's the thing I don't want to say that racing is at a critical stage the critical stage has largely passed it was a 20-year period between the advent of eight betting um during this period racing has said it's not a good place Um, Could you just repeat that, Chris? Because it kind of broke up a little bit. Um, starting with racing, said no to everything. Said no to everything. Period. You know, said no to exchange wagering. But you know, they've no to you know even stuff like derby wars and that. They've just said no to everything, and you know it puts you in this place where developed new outlets to get new cars and they've largely given up on growing a segment of players that that doesn't pass in the magistrate course but are willing to bet big money they and i'm sympathetic to the whole thing now slam dunks i mean and saying it's you know so much easier to like abr market and hope some of these people become lifelong players you know while them off to backpack pools it's a it's ridiculous you know i but i know that it's been to this point in jersey which is you know the it's not set up to be successful, you know. And yeah. until one of three make a move, 
it's not going to be successful. What do you think the chances are that, that one of them takes a shot at it? Say, say Stronic decides to take a shot at it. Do you think the dominoes fall if, if they have any sort of success? Uh, you know, I, a lot of the focus is on like banning winners and all this other stuff. And, you know, it, it's just, we're just going to ban winners. What? Right. Um, you know, it doesn't matter. Getting like, that snooker and I get, I get limited, you know, it, it's just the way it is. Um, I personally think that, you know, the right growth, uh, the right thing would have been, you know, really getting with bad faith 10, 15 years ago, because think about where you could be. Yeah. Uh, you, you could be a part in something that could be, that could take on even sports. Right. You know, there's so much potential in you could have power mutual sports. I know Dean talked about it the other day on Twitter going back and forth, but it's just so frustrating to see this mistakes being made again. Expecting a different outcome. It's not going to be a different outcome. <laughs> in, a, it's a, in a way, I think that and CBI and Strong wanted to fail. So, you know, I mean, I don't know what the answers are. So saying no has got us nowhere. So at some point, he has to say yes and attempt to do something. You know, there, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, doing different sort of, um, uh, you know, taking different tacts uh, in, in certain areas of the, this business and trying to do things in a little bit uh, of a different manner. And, I mean, there is definitely an underlying theme that exists, uh, maybe not much publicly, but it does exist that uh, the big players don't want to really change things because they sort of lord it over it now. They're, they're not doing poorly, and, you know, they're, they're willing to just uh, keep on keeping on instead of potentially, you know, risking. And, I mean, it's something I say a lot in – that if you want to get everybody together and we have to have some sacrifice to the common good, well, the people on the bottom of the food chain, that they don't have anything to sacrifice. The, the sacrifice comes from from the top of the food chain, not from the bottom of the food chain. And, and I just haven't seen a whole lot of uh, uh, evidence that, that anyone at the top of the food chain, and I'm not just talking racetracks, I'm talking about um, on the horse side too, um, you know, that, that they're just anyone is willing to give for the common good. And uh, I mean, we couldn't even keep the NTRA. I mean, the NTRA is what it is, but I mean, this was not how it was designed. It was designed to be sort of a legal office with a, a marketing, a national marketing um, branding kind of uh, uh, organization. And, you know, it fell apart because the big tracks didn't want to fund it. <laughs> um, so It's going to be the same thing again here. I mean, it, to me, it's serious eyewitnesser, you know, that you have all the big books don't seem to, or don't, from what we've read, are going to be offering anything. Yes, yeah, so, and that, that's that's the thing. I mean, 
like you said, we do focus a little bit uh, too much probably on, you know, if you're a winning player, are you going to get banned? Yeah. Everybody says they're a winning player. You know, there uh, yeah, are that, a lot. That can't be true. <laughs> can't be true. Just aren't. I, I know, I know a guy, and uh, he's uh, what, what we call a, a traditional bookmaker. And when the corporate books came about, he thought he was dead, and he found out that he was not only dead, but his business has gotten bigger because even guys that are perpetual losers, if they go and they have one big weekend, they'll cut their minimums down to like nothing. <laughs> And the, the, and they'll walk away, and they, they they all come back. And he says, not only did they come back, they came back and they brought they brought friends. Um, so it's it's just uh, you know, yeah, I mean, and also take that. You know, there's a, there, there is this area that is emerging, the the relationship between the legal books and and the legal books in this country. Yeah, uh, well, the, there there was they, a lot of uh, need each other to to serve. <laughs> There, there was a lot of, uh, in the beginning, kind of, um, uh, in, in, the, in the beginning, beginning, the non-legal books were, were using the legal books as, as uh, you know, to lay off money. And then, yeah. that, then that, that stopped. So, um, well, getting more sophisticated now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I also was told in that, of course, I, I don't know, it's, this is something someone told me. Um, that seem to be reasonable is that they've stopped just shutting people down or shutting their accounts down because there there's some concern that um, if you get a, uh, a feeling in a state house where well, wow they're just you know they're not letting people win um, they're going to get some kind of legislation that might say hey you're not allowed to do this. so they're what they're doing is just dropping minimums they're making minimums like you know, stupid, like 10 bucks. Um, no, I, I, again, I don't know if that's true or not true or, or, you know, what the, what the reasoning would be, but it, it would seem to make more sense than just, you know, completely shutting an account down. Uh, but it, it's, it's uh, like, you know, what you're saying is essentially it's probably never going to get to that point because there's just not going to be enough content um, to, to, you know, have what? They're going to have like uh, Grant track downs and Lone Star on the probably Canadian tracks. I would guess Woodbine would be up for it. You know, that was the biggest city on the exchange. Yeah. You know, I mean, nobody's really betting. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. I mean, right. Win- it's not like you're going to say, hey, I'm, I'm going to get. I'm gonna get six to one on a horse that I, I I would be getting eight to five on, but I don't bet that track anyway. So for me, I love the 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 the, the seat so anyway. I mean, that's where I really play. But you know, for real customers, that's it's not gonna be a way to do it. Right. You know, one of the miracles, despite all the things that have gone on. You up, and you could pretty much bet anything. It's all one menu, right? And bigger tracks now are getting a little bit more conscious. About, you know, the menu, some of these smaller, tracks, you know, they they up their nose at them. Our content is better. Why should we be be, be packaged with, you know, these these 
the grants pass downs of the world. whatever yeah well i mean short-sighted is kind of uh short-sighted is kind of a, a key word in this business i mean much of what we do is, has been short-sighted uh on all accounts um it doesn't it looks like um you know that there's so many just different variations of uh of issues with sports betting in, in the different States. I, I know, um, you know, down here, there's a lot of, a lot of, uh, questions about the legality of the compact. Um, and if it's going to stand up to, uh, a challenge, a federal challenge, at least the, the mobile sports betting part, which, um, I think what New Jersey, it's like 97% or something like that is going as mobile. I see this from the, very early days now. Um, yeah, I mean, wh wh why would you want to drive somewhere? I mean, it's, it's honestly not that different than ADWs. Why would you want to drive to the track? Like, yeah. You can just think of that. In each state are getting a little bit different, you know, all of the, you know, so I know, like, Illinois had something where you had to, like, actually physically go to the, to the, to sign up, and you could bet mobile after that. In New Jersey, it was a free-for-all. I mean, I never actually signed up with Fight. I just had an account with them from the DFS days. Mm -hmm. My account worked from day one. You know, so they, they they captured the whole market on day one. I, you know, when I went to do William Hill or whatever, all the other books launched online, like sign up and give your like driver's license and all the other stuff and, you know, your social security number, show who you are. And, I mean, it was just like, go ahead, man. We already got, we already have your credit card. Go ahead. We already have your banking information. You have money in your account. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's. I talked about it last. This stuff has really bad trickle down for racing. You know, right. Really bad. Because when you have a situation like COVID develop, you know, your partner and fan. Uh, FanDuel will just bring everybody in New Jersey to their to the casino games when the sports shut down. That was right. a huge, huge missed opportunity for racing. I mean, yeah, and I, you're talking about last, but right, I you're mean, talking single wallet where where you're able to bet sports and or you know racing on on the same account. Yeah, yeah. Which you, you know, think about things like a had to be millions and millions and millions of dollars. In New Jersey, accounts I had money down. I took it all. I wasn't going to play like you know, blackjack or, and didn't look like right. sports. Went back for another couple months. So, you know, all those people could racing, and because sure. you owed everything, you lost all of it. I mean, you're fine customers. Right. Find customers if you say no to them. No, this is true. I mean, and it, and it's crazy. And um, I was looking uh, at some stuff this morning about um, you know restrictions and um, you know for various states concerning ADWs, and and it, there's still a lot of states where ADWs aren't even legal. Um, and it's it's still crazy that uh, you know 
or getting so far advanced in some places where you're literally able to bet freaking anything. Um, and then, you know, you know, we have states where you literally can't open up a, a, a an yeah. express bet or a Twin Spires account. And Texas just, sports texas will have sports wagering before they have adw and yeah, i mean that's i don't know how big of a loss that is because listen every texas has an adw account and right. you know one of the advantages that racing had was when all when the, at the end of the adw stuff there's no geo getting right and run away with it have the robust market that you have in New Jersey to do the exchange, it had to be geolocated. And right, you know, now, I mean, the, now the fixed odds, uh, you know, Mammoth is, is using the Haskell day as, as kind of a target, um, to get it up and running. Now, that is going to be a New Jersey residence only, correct? I mean, betting through the, I mean, they, have, they don't have I mean, any other partners. My understanding. Is it will function the same way that sports betting does in New Jersey. Now, okay. to be a resident of New Jersey to uh, to get at, at these online books, or you just have to be in the state. You, right, you just can't. There's you can't have an account. Yeah. So I couldn't open up an account, and I couldn't come to New Jersey open up an account. No, you could. You could open up New Jersey as a Florida resident. You fly here. Get on your phone, you know, give, as long as you have proper ID, verifiable ID, you can open up an account. That'd be a bad idea for me, actually, but. I so, mean, it's, it's not, you know, they're going to be. It'd be a bad idea because I don't think I've won in about four months, but um, it just seems uh, like you said, the content is just not going to be there. And that's, that's the one thing that you can't. You, 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 people were willing to bet Foner when Foner was the only track available, but they're not going to bet Foner if uh, you're going up against Del Mar and Saratoga, regardless of uh, being able to get you know better odds or not. So um, I know that the I know two of the two of the bigger states, the official horseman's position is kind of uh, they don't believe it's going to happen in their state. So they're, they're not actually having to be pro or anti, but uh, it feels like they're more anti than, than pro. And that's probably because they're getting their information from the racetracks. So. Yeah. And think about it, you know, this thing, in Jersey, this has been a three year long process. Right. Fixed odds. You know, the exchange was even longer, you know, so uh, to, to have to go, state level you know mind you many of these states uh explicit laws that's racing is reserved for parents and that's new york right new york yeah and that was one of the hold up is one of them many other states are like that so laws create regulation and that you have to go through the whole thing each state and <laughs> it's not going to be. It's not going to be tomorrow. Three years, and New Jersey is moving quick. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I know, like in in the state of Florida, the paramutual industry has like zero pull at this point. I mean, it's just 
Uh, I mean, Gulfstream wasn't able to e- extract a, 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 ta- a, a lower tax rate for their casino, um, which does like nothing. I mean, the, the pittance. And we're talking, you know, a, a, a tiny number. It was, it was a, a, like a complete non-starter, um, you know, in order to stay coupled. They were willing to stay coupled and just give us, you know, a, a reasonable um, you know, a, a reasonable rate, a comparable rate, especially since the Seminoles are paying zero. And uh, it wasn't it wasn't even like considered. It was it was kind of like, you know, brushed off like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Let's uh, move on to the next item. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, Gulfstream, between Gulfstream and Tampa, you know, you're talking over $2 billion a year in handle. Yeah. You know, in this state, we can't get something done. Um, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's kind of an, it's a strange state uh, politically because it's literally like three different sections. But, um, yeah, it just seems, you know, there's, you know, you look at England, right? And, and you watch, the, they have... Um, and I and listen, I understand from a horseman standpoint because I know some of the horseman groups will be saying, "Well, yeah, but look at the purses." And yes, that that's definitely true. But uh, you know, when you look at options, I mean, in in uh, in right running betting, um, which of course is easier over there because they have more races that take up a little more time. It'd be kind of hard to have too much on you know in running betting on five furlong sprints. They had but, it in New Jersey, but. Um, you know, it, it just is one of those things that just seems like it might capture some sort of, you know, audience looking for quick action versus, um, you know, versus not having an option. And well, I mean, I'm more for develop. You develop these things. Yeah. I mean, you have to you have to get in the trenches. Do it. You know, this isn't a stuff is working in other countries. Uh, you know, with and and having uh, an exchange, you can all sit next to each other. It can work, but you know, if the position is we don't want it to work. Then yeah. it's not going to work. No, and that's and that that just seems to be the theme, um, especially among the the power power hat tracks in this country. They just don't want to. If if you if you hand them an envelope of money, they're going to take it, but they're not going to like you said. They're not going to do the work and, and risk anything, and that that's the thing is that they they're very risk averse. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, racing could live enough. You know, oh, it's a beautiful day outside, and the horses are majestic, and it's you could have a broken sound, and you know. It's still being marketed that way. But, you know, there is a growing segment of, you know, people my generation and younger that are looking for uh, ways to use skill to make money. And you see this in the place. <laughs> yeah. Whether it's crypto, whether it's esports, whether it's whatever. Uh, and, to, to, to that set of the population, racing is a joke. You have to rehab racing's image. And I'm going to tell you, uh, fixing the drug thing isn't going to manage. You need to get in the, in the trenches and work on the betting aspect of it. And, you know, doing it. 
Right. No, it's it's uh, it's the truth, and uh, sometimes people don't want to hear it, but it, it is the truth. And um, sorry for the way. I, no, it's 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 the truth, Chris. I mean, sometimes what what is reality isn't exactly pretty, or or it's not what people want to hear. And uh, you know, I often knock my myself in the. As I said the barrier. I said, shit, you know. We always seem like we're talking about negatives, and and in racing in the last few months, there's certainly been plenty of negative things to talk about. But um, uh, it's hard to to remain sunny all the time um, when you look and and you kind of you know roll your eyes at at some of the uh, the things then the way things are are presented to to the public and and, and to to the horsemen. And I mean, I, I, I'm a firm believer that a lot of times. Uh, are kind of overmatched at this point, you know, in a business atmosphere, um, you know, uh, the gambling market as it is, and that they're kind of just going along with the tracks. I mean, I yeah. don't know that that's, that's necessarily, uh, you know, it's not as though they, they could, uh, you know, form their own track and do that, but it just seems sometimes like, uh, and, and of course, you know, horsemen's position and, 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 presence in the overall industry has lessened as the racetracks have gotten alternate sources of revenue it, it certainly um you know decreased the importance of of the horseman's contract and it just some Churchill downs in particular uh they have a lot of uh, revenue sources outside of of betting on their races so you know it's just the fact of life and yeah uh, no it, it it this is kind of a up when you're not really in the store for your customers you know what i mean and it's really it pains my heart to see what happened it really kills me to see what what's happening in new jersey you know have you know to have and then to have other racing first establishments like naira strana and CDI um, to the cold shoulder. It, 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 it's sad. You're all, you're all killing yourselves. Right. Yeah, it seems like we circle the wagons, but instead of shooting out, we're shooting in. Mm-hmm. Well, anyways, um, I appreciate the time and, of course, your your forthrightness and, and your uh, uh you know your your view because uh, it's it's a an educated one and it's something that people I think need to hear. Um, I think that uh, there's just not a like I said there's not a lot of sources for a lot of this information and um, I hope people kind of understand the, the uh, you know what's going on in Jersey with the uh, the fixed odds wagering and um, you know like what you said kind of you know the timeline you gave really is is a uh, it's the only time I've, I've really seen <laughs> seen it presented that way and, or, or heard it presented that way. And uh, it does give you a, a whole lot of pause in that, you know, rather than arguing about some of the other stuff that's way down the line. Um, it's a, I mean, it just because I, I, a lot of, you know, most, most everyone who's commenting about this, they're on podcasts or whatever, they don't live in New Jersey. You know, right. they didn't live through this. You know, they, 
see what actually happened. You know, they're looking to other countries for a frame of reference, but you know, all happened in this has been on for ten years, and uh, you know, it's back. You know, I'll look back change and say how did that go that way right the wise the wise of the world and really unpack that to where you know why this is not going to go yeah and, and just like you know uh when people when you look at other countries other countries operate like states they don't operate like you know here in a lot of ways um, okay, we're going to look at France. We're going to look at England. We're going to look at uh, Ireland. Well, they're they're not doing it five different ways in in England because uh, Manchester doesn't do it the same way as this one. Doesn't do it the same way as this one. So, uh, I mean, that's that's why. Yeah, it's a lot easier to do in Australia because Australia is you know kind of under one um, umbrella. And in this, you know, here uh, you you look at the Mid Atlantic. You know, you can go from. Delaware to West Virginia to Maryland to uh, New Jersey to Pennsylvania to New York, and you have you know vastly different laws, vastly different racing commissions, vastly different interests and uh, ownerships, and it's it's just uh, it's just so fragmented, and and that's that's the frustrating thing, in that uh, you know like you said, not giving it a chance. Have they been talking, working together on sharing data forever, forever, forever? We can't get racetracks to coordinate post times. We, I think you know, it's we can't, a little better. A little we, better. We can't. We can't get tracks to to coordinate stake schedules. I mean, the amount of stake races we run in this country that are just, um, uh, just they're just too many. The same type of races. I mean, look at the. We were talking about it on the podcast last night. Very nice. The three year old stakes because I, I saw that. Um, uh, that the Mott horse um, was entered a, a, in the Iowa Derby. And I thought that horse that finished third in the Woody Stevens, uh, I thought he was a lock to run in the Dwyer. But then you look, there's the Dwyer. And then a couple of weeks ago, you had the, the mini Pegasus. And then you had um, uh, the Ohio Derby. Uh, a couple of weeks before that, you had the race at Churchill, the Matt Wynn. And then you have the Haskell coming up. You have the, uh, uh, like I said, the Dwyer on Monday. You have... Uh, we're not far off from the Haskell, from the Curlin, from the Jim Dandy. And it's like, there's just not enough horses to go around. Um, yeah. You know, and, and it's it's just, um, we can't get those things done. And those, uh, I remember, and this was a talk on Twitter a couple months back about a late season kind of triple crown using the, uh, the Haskell, the Travers, and the Pennsylvania Derby. And I remember Sal Sinatra. Um, when I was in Philly, this has got to be uh, 2011, 2012. Um, he tried to get something going. He tried to get that to where, where they could kind of package it as a, a second triple crown season, try to get a network to cover up, try to get a bonus plan horses that had hit the board in triple crown races or winners got bonuses and all kinds of different things. And he said there was like no interest from the other two tracks, none. And I mean, it's, it would seem to be like the, the biggest no brainer that there is because the, the triple crown is the biggest event in horse racing. So you would think, well, Hey, let's capitalize on that by 
kind of having a mini triple crown and getting the familiar faces, the familiar names. Uh, this is something that we can sell. Um, and nobody wanted to do it. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's, it's one of those things. And of course, you know, that wasn't like he didn't go out and, uh, you know, make it a, a DRF uh, headline. Hey, nobody else wants to do this, but that did happen. And, um, you know, it, it just is, it just goes to show you how difficult it is literally to get anything done. Yeah. It's, it's very frustrating. Very frustrating. Anyways, well, listen, I'm going to be up in the, up in the Northeast and soon, soon enough. And, um, at least for a little bit, and, uh, maybe I can, uh, I'll bribe you over to Mammoth. We'll, we'll sneak in some, uh, we'll, we'll sneak in some, uh, some beer through the backside or something. And, and already, uh, I, my dad took it out for me. <laughs> he, he told me, he told me the to do it. You know, he said, uh, I'm gonna, um, I shouldn't say, but no, don't say it. Don't give it out. You don't want to give that information out. You but it can't, but, but you can't, you can't give up your secret. My confirm it can be okay there you go that's it all you need to know that it, it can, can be, done. be done all right now all you did out there you know how to do it my dad who's an old man pushing 70 if he said done do it too. <laughs> all right well again thanks for your time and uh, we'll be in touch O crunk o, o under slash crunk at uh, Twitter. Um, definitely good for a follow. And uh, I appreciate, I, believe me, it, it's uh, speaking for a lot of people. Uh, we appreciate the fact that you keep the numbers and that, uh, you know, you you put them out there and, and you, uh, you know, you, you break them down a little bit too because that, that matters as, as well. I mean, probably as much as anything that that just the raw data sometimes can, can be a little confusing and, and um uh, you know, you're, you're doing a, uh, an unpaid industry service. It's, it's happy to do it, you know, it's fun. It's fun. Something that interested me long before I started doing it. So, uh, and I know, that, uh, I know that the right people are, are seeing it. It's gotten to this place now, you know, when it first. It was sort of like a, a nice, uh, you know, backyard bar. Uh, you would just hang out and talk races or whatever. And, you know, now, like, dog eat dog. Everybody has to dunk each other. Now, ruckus. And, you know, I've always thought it than what you know what I mean? I want to put out yeah. stuff, I, I, stuff that nobody else has. Else is, can, can like put out. I mean, I want to put out. So that's been my goal with Twitter the last. Just news. You know, it's working. You, you are. And, and, and like I said, uh, there's a lot of stuff that you've uh, opened my eyes to and, um, and I, I do appreciate it. And I, I know it's, you know, it, it, it does take up, you know, some time. It's not like it just uh, automatically, you know, jumps onto the paper and um, it, it's, uh, it helps. It really does help. And it, it helps explaining. And, and uh, unfortunately, <laughs> it helps you understand some of the times when uh, 
for not really being given the uh, the uh, the entire story. I'll, I'll put it that way. Yeah, I mean, before I, you know, I don't blame the tracks, but as long as people, and, you know, piss me off the way that like California does it, and now Mammoth is starting to copy California with the uh, stuff, reporting all sources and but. You know what? Whatever. The people know it. They know it. Everybody else can believe the BS. That's Yep. That's the truth. All right. Well, Chris, I appreciate it and uh, have a good rest of the day. You got me. You got it. Thanks for everyone for listening. Later.